Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. I want to speak today about five uh, steps that lead to a healthy change because of, obviously we are going through a different season now in the church and looking forward to 2017, uh, there are great things that God is going to do in our church and through us as individuals and as a church. Uh, but before that, I just want to imagine for a second that you are a fly, all of us a fly, that's loads of flies, at Pentecost 2,000 years ago, okay? So we are in this room, in the upper room as they call it, uh, where the 120 people are gathered there, waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to be poured on them. They are singing, they are worshipping God, and God's power is there, God's presence is gloriously in that place. And all of a sudden, Peter stands up and he goes out the balcony if you want, and he speaks to 3,000 Jewish people there. And when he speaks, they believe in Jesus, their lives are being saved, and they are being baptized in one day. That's how church started. 2,000 people being baptized in one go. That's a lot, a lot of baptisms. You know, sometimes when we speak with people to be baptized, we meet and we have a little chat. Imagine doing this with 3,000 people. But that's the start of the church, and then we move to Acts chapter 4. Again, Peter uh, stands up and he speaks to 5,000 people. All those 5,000 people are being baptized as well and believe in God. That's basically 8,000 people in two chapters, and we see that God is starting to give birth, if you want, to Jesus starts to build up his church, and starts, the starting of Christianity basically takes place, starting with Acts chapter 2 and move on. Yeah. But then we move on uh, to chapter 15 of Acts, which this is where we are now, and that is actually 15 years later from what happened in Pentecost. Pentecost happened in 33 AD, and then 48 AD, we are in Antioch, we are in chapter 15 of Acts, and God is, is doing really, really great things here. God is doing something new because he's, he's actually opening the door of salvation towards people that are not Jewish. You know? So that was a big thing during those days. And God is doing really something great and something new. And there is in, in, verse, in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, Some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And that's a bit tough, you know, because if you think 15 years ago, these guys were most probably part of the early, very early church, okay? And then they had 15 years of church experience, and they had 15 years of knowing how to do church, and this time they moved from Antioch, from Judea to Antioch, that's 500 kilometers, that's 300 miles, and I'm sure they didn't catch a flight back then. So there were a few days that they, they had to walk to go to Judea. And it says that they came from Judea, they traveled the 300 miles, and they were teaching the brothers. So if they were teaching, it means they had some sort of experience and some sort of knowledge they wanted to kindly impart. Uh, and they had church experience, 15 years of church experience. They've been doing church for a while, and they had some sort of knowledge because their aim was to go to the new believers in Antioch and teach them something that they, they had. So what they wanted to do, actually, was to give the believers the formula and the method of getting saved. But there was one, one little problem because they said, unless you are circumcised, 
it cannot be saved. And I just, I just trust, you know, what circumcision is. If I can speak after about it a bit more. But let's say it was painful and bloody, okay? <laughs> and they were saying, this is how things are done, okay? We know because we've been doing it for 15 years. We know how church is done. And unless you do what we say and how we say it, you cannot be saved. And they were indirectly portraying a false image about God's heart and God's character. Imagine if Paul and Barnabas weren't there with the believers in Antioch. And these guys come from Judea into Antioch and say, this is what you have to do in order to be saved. What if all those people who had genuine interest in knowing more about God didn't have Paul and Barnabas with them right there? They'd have believed that the men from Judea who had experience were telling the truth. And they would eventually become very uncertain about God's heart and very confused. Like, if God is love and if God is so kind, why does he ask us to do this, this, and that, especially the circumcision part? So they would have believed the men from Judea if there was no one there to really tell them that this is actually what we do. These men from Judea moved into a new territory where old patterns and behaviors were actually damaging and ineffective because God was doing something new in the church in Antioch. These people forgot that salvation is not a method but a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. This is the only way we can be saved. It's not about method and circumcision and do's and don'ts. It's just about Jesus Christ. And stepping into a new territory will always ask from us some kind of change, but that change will always, always be beneficial. Think about the winter season. It's so cold. I get a cold. Imagine if uh, some people from Hawaii came all of a sudden now, and they're like, guys, you Bromley people, I will tell you how to do things in this place. You need to wear our Hawaiian T-shirts, flip-flops, and shorts. And they're like, if you don't do this, uh, it's, it's useless. And you look at them a bit and it's like, I know that where you come from in Hawaii, it's quite nice. But in Bromley, it's quite chilly and cold. So I'm not sure that your way of thinking and of doing weather stuff, it's, it's really the right one. You'd look at them and they'd be, I think you're a bit off target uh, right here. But this is, in a way, what was happening to the men from Judea. They came with their own type of patterns and a way to do things, traveled 300 miles and told the guys in Antioch where God was doing something new, this is what you have to do. And the problem was that what they were saying wasn't true. Since, since it got a bit colder, I started to wear my coat again. And most, many people ask me, like, oh, did you get a new coat? And I'm like, no, I don't. I just wear it when it's cold, you know, because it's the season. And if I am not to wear my coat when it's cold, it's quite, it's quite hard. So I'd better wear it because if I want to go through the winter. Because, you see, when seasons change, we even change our clothes. If it gets colder, we get different clothes. If it's nicer, we get the flip-flops and so on. When seasons change, we need to change as well. It's just a natural way of how things work, weather and, and, and everything else. And these people that came from Judea were actually resistant to change because they want to do things their way and didn't understand that God was doing a new thing and the new work that he had for the church in Antioch. And I would say that people who resist change are usually stuck in negativity because they said, unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. There's loads of negativity in that place. And says it is necessary to order them to follow the law of Moses. So they're very negative because people who resist change will always be stuck in their own negative mindset. They also serve their own agenda because they travel 300 miles. They, it took a while. They had a mission, they had a target, and they had to do it no matter what. Because people that resist change will always serve their own agenda. It's, it's what they know. It's what they're trying to do. And third point is that they were struggling with old habits. They had their own pattern of doing church. 
and uh, they were, this, these are the kind of people who always say, when we try to bring something new, they'll say, oh, but this is how we, how we do things. It's like, we can always change. It's okay, nothing is like, we can always, always change. And these people from Jeddah were resisting change. They didn't understand that God was doing something new. And because they didn't understand God was doing something in Antioch, they were very resistant to the work of God in, in that church. And I decided in my heart, in my mind, that I'm going to always, always be intentional on not resisting change when it occurs. And I want to be like the men of Issachar. The Bible speaks that they understood the times and they knew what to do. And I pray that myself and all of us, individuals and as a church, will understand the times that God is leading us to as a church. And if we understand the times, we will also know what to do. If I understand that it's winter and it's cold, I'll know to get my coat. It's quite, it's quite simple, it's quite easy to understand. And I pray that all of us will understand the times, will understand the season we're in as a church, and, and therefore we will know what to do. That's why the, the first step I want to, the first step in, in leading change, if you want, is to confront the issue. We need to look at what needs to be changed. In that case, Paul and Barnabas were starting something new in Antioch. The issue was that these people from Judea, they were preaching a false method of gaining salvation. They didn't get it that salvation is a free gift from God, which is given to anyone who puts their trust in them. So what Paul and Barnabas did was to, from, from the beginning of the church, so even though it's like 15 years, it's quite in the beginning of church history, if you want. They had to address this issue as soon as it popped up because they didn't want people to have a wrong image about God. Verse 2 says, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. Verse 7 says, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up confronting again the issue. Paul and Barnabas knew that God is doing something new in Antioch, and they couldn't let these people to, in a way, hinder or mess up with the great things that God was about to do in the church in Antioch. It says that they had no small debate about it. I don't imagine what was there. Uh, anyway, it was interesting. But I know that confrontation is not really the default for any of us. We don't, I, I, I think that none, none of us really likes confrontation just for the, for the sake of confrontation. And the uh, but the thing is that if we don't address important issues that can block success and effectiveness, we can never grow. If there's an issue, we address it, we look at it, and then because this will lead us into a season of growth. Without confrontation, we will bathe in complacency. And therefore, we never grow, we never develop, and we never be great people. Complacency is not really the best thing we can ever do. We should always, always have a high sense of urgency, always looking at things that need to be done. Don't do what I do when I'm, when I'm like, the, the only time I'm going to my GP is when I like, feel like I'm literally dying. Otherwise, I'm not going there. And that's wrong. That's like when I'm tackling an issue, just when it's like, it's my last resource. No, we shouldn't do this. Of course, not to the GP, but even in church life and even in our own lives. I want to mention that when we confront things, we should always, always do it also proactively, not only reactively, okay? So I look at myself, I look at my life, knowing where I want to reach, knowing my goals for the future will sort of help me to know what to do in the present. That's why I'm confronting these things. I, I place myself in front of a mirror and say, okay, what's wrong here? I want to grow, I want to be, uh, to be better, I want to develop more, I want to know more, I want to have more experience. I place myself intentionally always in front of a mirror doing a sort of introspection in my life and in my heart and I'm trying to understand where I'm going. Don't, don't, don't only confront things when it's like you have no other choice. Always, and I do, I, I, honestly, I do this like monthly at least. When I'm on Monday at home, I just think about my life and I think of what I'm doing. I say, okay, God, how can I 
be better? How can I grow more in your image? How can I be the, the man that you want me to be in your kingdom? Always, not only when it's tough, not only when I'm flopping, but always, every single time, I'm always uh, confronting things in my life. We must always look forward and from time to time just look at ourselves as well and say, okay, what needs to be changed? And this is true for individuals, it's true for church, it's true for teams, in the church even, serving teams. We must, we, we must not fall into a complacency mode where we just do stuff because it's how we do stuff. We must always look forward, how can we become better? How can we reach more people? It's the same in companies, it's the same everywhere. There's this true story that there was this CEO, he had many employers, and the business was going really, really well. And one day, because he understood that his employees were complacent about the things that were going, he on purpose lost $1 billion, on purpose. So all of a sudden, his employees were like, whoa, that's a lot of money we just lost. What happened? And because of that, their level of urgency was really, really raised. And in a few months, they made the billion back, and all the sales, all the, sales the profit went 30%. There's 30% more profit after. Why? Because all of a sudden, people didn't just want to do things the way they used to do, but they stood up, they they went to the next level, and they stepped up to to another dimension, if you want. And it's the same for us as well in our lives and in everything. We must always look to be better, to grow, to develop, to enlarge our territory, to always do things better. Do not fall in a complacency mode, because growth will stop right there. Okay? Second one is communication. And this is the why. We need to understand why we need to change. Paul and Barnabas, uh, sorry, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, they declared all that God had done with them. They were communicating the change that God was doing to the Gentiles. You see, Paul and Barnabas didn't debate for the sake of debating. They didn't just, okay, I feel like debating, why don't I do it? They did it because they were confronting issues that were stopping the change that God was about to do in Antioch. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed to both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail everything that God was doing. They were communicating the change, and they were communicating the vision that God had for Antioch, and the new things that God was about to do in Christianity all over the world. While they were on their way to Jerusalem to ask Peter and James and the Jerusalem church leaders about the circumcision, they continued to, uh, continue to communicate the change. So wherever they went, so this is what God is doing. This is what God is about to do. These are the great things that we are experiencing in God's work and in God's kingdom. Communicating God's vision will always bring joy to people. And the reason why they had to confront the teaching, so what the people from Judea were saying, the reason why they had to do it had everything to do with the fact that God was bringing people to himself and that people were being saved and baptized. The reason why they had to confront the teaching was because God was growing the church. And they knew that if they don't confront that issue, which was the first doctrine and teaching anyway, and if they weren't communicating to everyone, guys, this is how it actually is, things would not, would, would not have been the same. So they had to communicate it to everyone. Our faithfulness to, our great, to the Great Commission in this church, because God is doing great things in our church, would you agree? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so God is doing really, really great things. And the reason why is because we are faithful to the Great Commission of preaching the gospel and making disciples, okay? But if we are to continue to be as faithful, we really need to move into a new season and to move into a new territory. If you want to continue to preach the gospel and, and make disciples, this will mean that people are coming to church, people's lives are being changed, people are being baptized every single month, people's uh, hearts are renewed and minds are renewed. We know that God is doing great things in here and through us, wherever we are, marketplace, testimonies. Come next Saturday to the, work, to the evangelism workshop and you'll hear uh, Shagan, a testimony of how you can 
you speak of depression and Superman to bring the gospel in someone's life. It's, it's just simply amazing, very simple, very straightforward. But if we want to continue to be faithful, we need to step into a new territory, even as a church. And the issue we had to sort of confront as a church was the space issue. Okay, remember last Sunday, I literally had to sit on the sofa in the back. It's like there was, no, there was nowhere, nowhere else where to sit. And we know that people are coming to church. We know that people's lives are being changed in this church. The, the question I ask everyone when they come is like, how can you describe in one word or a few words what, how, how the church was? And they all say that God's presence is in this place. And that's what we count on. We want people to come to church to feel that God is there for them. Yeah. But if we are to continue to serve people, if we are to continue to minister to their lives, to see their lives being changed, we need to step into a new territory. Yeah. And that new territory for us is called the third service. Okay, if we want to reach out to the people in Bromley, we need to enlarge our territory. We need to enlarge our mindset and our willingness to, to see people's lives being changed. That's why we need to understand the why of change. Once we understand the why of change, we will remove any obstacles that are in the way of achieving what we want to achieve and the goals that we have as a church. God is doing great things through us. And because of that, we need to, to enlarge. Okay, imagine there are 300,000 people. There's a map of Bromley right there. And I look at this map, there's a population of 300,000 people who are somewhere there in the center, sort of. And when you think that there are 300,000 people in Bromley, and let's say the great majority don't even know God, that makes us think, wow, there's, there's so much more we can do as a church. And because we are faithful to preach the gospel, make disciples, we believe that many of these people will sort of be connected to us, and God will use us as a church to bring the good news and to advance his kingdom in Bromley. But how can we reach them? Because there's no more space in this place, for example. That's why we need to move to a new territory, to go to a new season. And this might mean that sometimes we, sh we should change our way of thinking and of doing things, even as a team, even as serving things, as leadership and everything. Pastor Mark is always looking to say, God, how can I follow you, even if it means changing some things. We always follow God and we always want to do what he tells us to do. That's why for us, the new territory is the third service. We need to move in step with God. God is going to expand us. God is going to develop us. And we need, we need to be willing to also move in step with him. Say, yes, God, whatever you have for me and whatever you have for us as a church, I'm going to do it as well. God wants to challenge us on every level and area of the church. He'll challenge us individually. He'll challenge our teams, our leadership, everything. Because he's bringing us into a new season. And I hope, I hope that you, you feel this. I hope that you see this in the last few months in the church. God is bringing us. I'm looking forward to 2017 and I know that God is going to do great things through us. And we're part of a great mission that he has for Bromley to build up his kingdom. It's not only about our church. It's mainly, firstly, about God's kingdom to be advanced in Bromley. That's why we live. That's why we exist as a church. We are the hope of our community anyway. And because he's bringing us into this new season, we also need to enlarge our territory, okay? Number three is cooperation. Cooperation because there is the Council of Jerusalem. Council of Jerusalem, historic, is the first ever council that happened in church history, okay? And the reason it happened, so the why, is because they had to address these issues. Because people were getting saved, but they were a bit confused with what the teaching that people from Judea brought. So they had to address this issue. They had this Council of Jerusalem. And can you put the next slide, Dennis? I want to read, it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church. So to see their apostles elders and the whole church, to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. 
the brothers were the apostles and the elders to the brothers who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons, so the Judean people, have gone out from us, from among us, and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, so they did it on their own, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, so we'll, we'll agreed that this is the right thing to do, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by the word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself free from this, you'll do well. Farewell. I like how they end the letter. Just farewell. <laughs> so, cooperation. The only way for us to be effective in God's kingdom is in partnership and cooperation, okay? We cannot do things alone. Paul and Barnabas cooperated. Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas cooperated. The church leadership cooperated. The church body cooperated. God and his people, so the Holy Spirit and his people cooperated. God will not do this work alone. He can, because he is God. He can do anything, of course. But he's not into doing things alone. It's always about partnership. It's not about lone rangers. I like to say this as often as I can. That's why we need to have cooperation and partnership with God, with church leadership and with each other. When we speak of cooperation for change, it's first of all with God, then it's, of, then it's uh, with the church leadership, and then it's between us. And together, as one, we will see great things happening in our church and through our church in Bromley. Cooperation is vital to a good and healthy change. We cannot do anything alone. The only one who can do things alone is God, but obviously we already said that he doesn't want to do it. But the rest of us, we need to, all of us, be in it together. We all need to step up. We all need to get the new coats if there's a new season that God is bringing us into. We need to make sure that we don't have old patterns of thinking and behavior that we'll bring into a new territory because it won't work. These people from Judea, they brought some their, their way of doing church, but it no longer worked. What, according to what God was doing. And God is doing something new in our church. God is doing something great in 2017 and starting now. There are great expectations we have and we know that we'll seal them in our church. And because of that, we need to make sure that we're all in it together. We need to step up, enlarge our territory, enlarge our minds, enlarge our hearts and say, God, we're going to see people saved. And the reason why we do a third service, because that's, some people don't understand the whys of doing things, okay? I always speak with the girls as interns. When you say something to someone, you need to make them understand why. Because if I just tell you do this, and I'm not telling you why, then there's, a, there's an issue, right? Because I, I just don't understand why you're telling me this. But the reason why you do a third service is because people are being saved, and because God is bringing more people in our church. And of course, the logical thing is for us to enlarge our territory. We cannot yet, like, or we cannot build another building just like this. That's why we, we, we enlarge our territory. We find a way for us to say, yes, God, we're here. If you want to do these great things, we are ready, and we're going to cooperate to do these great things. Four, the fourth point is creating a realistic plan for change. So it's a realistic plan. It's not just a plan. It's something that people can do. And what we want to do, of course, when, let's say through services, teams and everything, it's realistic. We can do it. It is possible. We have the capacity in this church and we have the gifts and talents and the willingness to do great things. There's nothing really that can stop us. God wants to see people saved because he doesn't want to see anyone perish. So we sort of agreed with this. God will want to see people saved. All he needs is us as partners. Say, yes, God, we're going to be in it together and we're going to see people saved in Bromley as well. 
That's why you need to create a realistic plan for change. That's how the Council of Jerusalem, the first ever council, started. They created a plan, and that plan was a letter. The reason they sent the letter was because they didn't want to burden people with methods and formulas. Because it's not about this in Christianity. If you, I don't know, if you grow, grow up and you have this stereotypical image about what church is, it's not about formulas, it's not about making your back so heavy of burdens that you cannot even walk. It's not about this. Actually, Christianity is freeing. That's what God is doing. He called us to freedom. They wanted all believers to come to a relationship with God and remove any sort of burden that will make it hard for believers to believe in God. Peter says, can I put the next slide? So after there had been much debate, Peter stood up, so we're in Jerusalem now, and said, brothers, you know that in the, the early days, God, so that's Acts 2 and 4, okay? God had made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did with us. So even Acts 10, God is still working through Peter. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Okay, it's not made, it's God cleaning our hearts. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. So what Peter says is like, guys, you come with all these methods and you come with all these do's and don'ts, but let's be honest, you don't even keep this. It's impossible for anyone to keep these laws and this circumcision and all these things. So what Peter says, it's not about this. It's a new thing that God is doing, that is cleaning the hearts. It's, 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 it's no longer just for the Jews. It's for anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. And then James says, and I love this verse, so James, Jesus' his brother, he was the main leader of the early church. Can you put the next slide? He says, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Yeah, come on. My judgment is, so I came to the conclusion, that we should never make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Because the people from Judea were doing exactly this. Yeah. That's why this Friday I, I spoke to the youth and I had one of the youth. Uh, he's actually not, doesn't believe in God. And I told him, what do you think of Christianity? And I, I had three heavy blocks of something. I said, okay, have this. And I put, placed the second one on him and he could no longer hold it. But I had the third one just in case, you know. And like, <laughs> yeah. so, they, they couldn't carry it. And sometimes we think that Christianity is like this. It's a set of heavy things that we need to keep and we'll never be able to carry. But there was someone who carried those things. There was some, that was Jesus. He's like, guys, I know you cannot do it, obviously. You cannot. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to carry all these burdens. All lives, just come with me. Just give me your burdens. Just give me your heavy things, the weights that you're holding. Just give them all to me. Let's not make it difficult for the people in our lives to know God. It's not about rules. It's about relationships. It's not about methods and formulas. It's about Jesus Christ alone. So the only way we are saved is by faith in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus is the way, not one way, okay? There's not, not, no other way that people can be saved. That's why for us, creating a, creating a realistic plan for change and making it easy for people to know God is by going to a third service, is by having more teams, is by doing greater things, is by even having this volunteer uh, celebration uh, meal. We want to, do, to make things easy for people. When people come in our church, it is our aim and our intention that people will experience God. Yes. Not we don't bombard them with rules and do's and don'ts. It's not about this. It is important that people come into a relationship with God. But the only thing that the James and Peter says, 
obviously abstain from sexual immorality and don't like and idolatry. But all those things can be solved if you have a relationship with God. If I'm right here right now with you, I cannot be in another place as well. This is sort of the relationship we have with God. As long as I put my eyes on Jesus, I will forsake other stuff because when I taste that the Lord is good, it's like and trust me, I hope that all of you will or have tasted how good God is. And once we taste this, we'll never want to do anything else. Yeah. So for us, when we say we believe in Jesus, we say, yeah, come. We make it as easy as possible yeah. without compromising the truth in the same time. Okay, that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. That's why I create a realistic plan. And the realistic plan is like, let's make it easy for people to come. And we can do it. That's why we do third service. That's why we look at changing so many things. We want to make it so easy for the 300,000 people in Bromley to know Jesus, and we're intentional about it. Fifth point, the last one, is confirmation, because we encourage and build up for change. The confirmation of a good change is that people are encouraged, are built up, and are developing through that change. It says, and when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Like, imagine if someone is teaching you need circumcision and stuff, and then someone says, actually, it's not the way we do things. They're like, oh, yes, I rejoice for that. Like, <laughs> I, I, uh, I got rid of some bloody things to do, you know. Of course they rejoice. And sometimes we, when we speak with people about God, we, we might have the tendency to make it really like hard and this and that and that and that. What we actually have to do is to bring them into a relationship with God in an environment. Remember what Pastor Mark preached last week or two weeks ago? Like it's creating an environment not only for us to encounter God, but we're creating an environment for people to encounter God as well because people don't know how to do this. And the confirmation of a good change is that people's lives are being changed. And we already see this confirmation in the last one or two or three years in our church. People are being saved. People are being baptized. People's lives are being changed. No one is perfect, obviously. All of us are on a journey, but we're intentional about making disciples and preaching the gospel. That's why that is a confirmation of change. When people rejoice because there's no longer about caring heavy things, but it's all about coming to Jesus and giving and surrendering everything to Him. The believers are filled with joy because they understood that it is possible to have a relationship with God. And that relationship is freeing and is not enslaving. Ephesians 5 says, and I'll conclude with this, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Can you put the next slide? Yes, I want everyone to read it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So the reason we are free is to live as free people, obviously. When God calls us into a relationship with Him, He doesn't call us to rules and regulations and circumcision and burdens. He calls us to live as free people with Him forever. For, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And therefore, do not go back to doing things the way have been done. God is doing something new. And if you don't know God, if you had some stereotypical images about what Christianity is, I, I just want to say that it's not true. It's actually freeing. It's actually full of joy. It's actually an adventure and a journey where you grow more and more with God. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. But we change. And God is doing great things through us. And confirmation of a good change is when people's lives are being changed. If this doesn't happen, we, we might as well not do anything at all. We live to see people's lives being changed, to see the captives free, to see people's hearts being restored, people's minds being renewed. We want everyone to know Jesus. And that's why we live as a church. And as God is bringing us into a new season of change, have these things in mind. If there are issues, confront them. Communicate the change. Cooperate. Let's do this together. We cannot do 
anything at, at, uh, alone. Create a, a realistic plan. Say, how am I going to do these things? And then you'll see the confirmation that God is going to, to bring in our church. Say, yes, you are doing the right thing. It's a new thing. It will be a new thing in 2017, but it will be the right thing because we know that we are doing what God wants us to do. Amen. Thank you.